We've had match day two of the West of Scotland League, and it's Darvel and Clydebank flying high at the top of the Premier Division with maximum points. In another season, Shots on Accord might have been battling it out with them in the top flight too, but instead they're one of 15 clubs now looking on from the outside after choosing to sit for the season without fans. The Bonnie had hopes of winning promotion from the West Juniors Championship last season, but the early finish to the campaign because of that pandemic will narrowly miss out. Their boss John McKeown joins us on the show this week. We'll get his views on the situation they found themselves in and look at how he'll handle things at Hannah Park between now and next season. Plus, we'll look back at the lower league playing and managerial career, which started out at Ipswich as a kid. We'll also discuss the impact of former Lanark chairman and juniors chief Tam Anderson, who sadly passed away on Saturday. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along for another 60 minutes or so looking at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, Paul, your season at New Mains is finally up and running. Yeah, we got up, we got up and running on uh, on Saturday. Uh, we had to change. Well, a couple of things happened. Obviously, you mentioned Tam Anderson. We were scheduled to play Lanark. And unfortunately, about six o'clock in the morning, I, I woke up to a, a message from Lanark saying, obviously, that uh, Mr. Anderson had passed away. And uh, so we contacted the fixture secretary who arranged the game with us at, uh, against Joker because Joker against East Kilbride was off. And we actually played at Worcester Sports Centre because our park obviously doesn't really like the, the weather that much. And yeah, it was good to get back playing football. It's been a long, or competitive football. It's been a long time. Uh, a game that, whether it should have went ahead, I don't know. It was, it was blowing a gale. The, the first half, even, you know, it was like watching kids football on times. We couldn't get out of the half just because of the weather. Saying that, we conceded two goals in the first seven minutes, which I can't blame the weather for. And we were 3-0 down at half time. However, old cliche, game of two halves. And in the second half, we come out uh, and we win the game 2-1. Uh, and probably only conceded the goal because... The last couple of minutes we took off a defender and put on another striker and get hit in the counter. So, uh, other than that, it was good to be back playing football and relatively pleased with the second half performance. Good stuff. We'll, we'll maybe get into a bit more of that uh, when we get into the chat with John shortly. Uh, please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Send us any post-match audio interviews you have and we'll play them on the show. Our email address is divisions at gmail.com. That's divisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. My name's Tommy Sloan, Ockenlet Talbot Manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Shots on Accord boss John McKeown is our guest this week. John, thanks for joining us. Thanks for helping me, guys. We'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the all-new Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club, then give you the answer at the end of the show. Over to you this week, Paul. Right. They were founded in 1881. Their badge features a tree and a lion. Their all-time highest goal scorer is Eric Tate with 115 goals. And managers include Tom Hendry, Sandy Clark, John Brownlee, and Colin Cameron. I think I maybe got it. I'm sure you have. Maybe the last one. Maybe the last one. <laughs> you have any ideas? Uh, Torn between two, right enough, but I'm not, I'm not so sure. Okay. Well, we'll give the answer at the end of the show. Hi, Stephen Aitken, East Kilbride Manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Shots on Accord Manager John McKeown is our guest this week. First of all, John, uh, what have you been doing with your Saturday afternoons? <laughs> well, it's only, it's only been a couple of weeks so far, but um, I've been spending it with my, my wee girl, um, Millie, who's seven. So we've been uh, spending a wee bit of time with her because obviously... As you'll know, when you're involved in football, you don't get much chance to spend with your family at weekends. So 
Um, I've been going to her horse riding lessons and stuff like that. I've also been doing a wee bit of football one-to-one coaching. Um, so that's been keeping me busy in the mornings and then spending time with the wee one in the afternoon. So, yeah, it's keeping us going. How, how tough has it been though? How tough was that decision, reaching that decision, you know, realising that, you know, effectively weren't going to have any competitive football for 12 months? Honestly, it was very, very difficult. I've never really been involved. Nobody's been involved in a situation like this before. It was sleepless nights and, I mean, it's easy to sit and point the finger and have a go at people and should the leagues have went ahead, should they not, should the goalposts have been moved, should they not, but it was just such a tough decision all around, you know. It was difficult, but we, we had to make what was right for our club and for the social club and shirts and smarts and there was redundancies to full-time members of staff. There was a there was a bigger picture than just whether we wanted to play or not. So there was loads of things that had to be taken into consideration. I'd actually spoke to one of your uh, committee guys. I think his name's Willie. He'd actually come down to our part to, to have a look at it and see if he could maybe... Help cut it. Uh, guys, genuinely, genuinely devastated that, that they never went back. You know, we've spoke on here about some clubs maybe not wanting to go back and took the easy option. But I genuinely feel, even in one of the league meetings, shots were on. They really, the guys really genuinely hand on heart hurting over the decision. I, I it was to be honest, with you, he was, he was almost in tears telling the players yeah. that we told them that that we, that we weren't, we couldn't play. Um, Everybody's got different scenarios and different situations, but I mean, Willie's he's been at the club for years. He's so passionate about it. He's up at the park every single day for hours and hours and hours, and then just putting about. And it means a lot to these guys, you know. And he's got underlying health conditions. So the other guys in the committee, so you could tell they were fearful as well. They were really, really wary about about COVID, as everybody should be. Um, so, so they. they that side of view, at that point of view, and they were also looking at for the, the financial point of view, even to pay the boys' expenses and stuff like that. Would have been fortunes running all over Ayrshire and stuff, and pitch maintenance and laundry costs and referees and insurances. And it was it's kind of it was that decision we just thought, well, do you know what? Eventually, it's it's not going to be worth our while. As I said, here there was redundancies and stuff in the social club, so we just had to weigh it all up and spoke to the players and just said, look. We can't do it. We just we've tried. We've looked at it for every every angle, and the players all were saying they just wanted to play football. They weren't worried about wages and stuff. But even to cover like petrol money and stuff was going to was going to be too much for the club this year. Everything that was going on. So we spoke. We met with the supporters. Initially, we'd planned we were going to go ahead with it, and then when they announced that basically that there wasn't going to be any promotions and stuff, we just thought like that's now let's just let's just leave it. Let's just sit back. Um, and, and regroup and, and try and build the club up again for, for, for next season. And when the decision was taken, was it taken at board level? Did they come and, and speak to yourself, John, on, on, and the players? Was it, or was it something they come to you and says, "Look, we just can't do it. It's just we just don't have the resources." In all honesty, we had a meeting on the Sunday at the park in the morning. We met with all the supporters club. It's not a great deal, but maybe fifty or sixty people were there and. I think the club, the, if the board and the committee had their way there and then, they would have left it. But I kind of managed to talk them round and say, look, let's go for it, let's do it. But as the week went on and we spoke over it, I kind of realised that it was bigger than my decision. I mean, football clubs have been up, the shots have been there for many years, not been there for many years after I've gone as well. So they had to do what was right for them long term. Um, and there's a lot of work and stuff getting done at the park just now. They're building houses up the back of the goal and allowed all that sort of stuff to go ahead as well. So there was many reasons for that had to be weighed up, but we just felt for safety more than anything else that safety and obviously financial reasons as well. And the fact that I don't like to say it's non-competitive because football is always competitive, but the fact that there was no promotion just made it that wee bit more of a an easier option for us to go right. Well, let's let, let's sit back. Um, but but it's, as it's hard, it's. I mean, I'm sitting on Friday night there, and I'm looking at all the teams getting excited for their games and going, "Oh God, they've done the hang hang here." <laughs> you know, I wish we were just playing, and then. But it's, it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that for months now, but um, unless we're locked in again. Um, well, I, that's that's another thing as well. As I say, your pitch wasn't playable on Saturday, and fortunately, because the, the crowds are not allowed, and we, we were allowed to book Wishes Sports Centre to do that, but. I think over the next couple of weeks anyway, I, I've got a funny feeling that football 
special at our level might actually be closed down. I think possibly they've done it down in England at the lower yeah, levels this yeah, week. So, I listen, I don't, I don't want that at all. But it, like, I know there's some people that are like, oh, stupid playing. Like, I, I really, I really feel it's each to their own. You know, it's if, if you can, your club can afford that and you want to go on with it, then God let the boys play. I mean, if, the hard part for me has been managers. Well, most clubs have had the decency when they're trying to sign my players have phoned me and said to me, look, what's happening with him and him? Can you, are you going to let him go? And we've not stood in MD's way. We've, loads of clubs are loaning boys out and extending their contracts is the only way they'll let them go. We, we had to put our hands up and say, look, we made that decision. So who are we to stand in the players' way? Let them go and play football if they want to play. There's quite a few have said they're going to take the season out and spend it with their families. There's quite a few have said they want to play and give me their word they'll be back uh, next season, but I can, you never know if they go to a club and enjoy it. You're not going to hold that against them. It's that's football, and it was ultimately it was their decision not to play. So I just felt as if we had to do the right thing by if somebody wanted to go, letting them move on. And as I say most clubs have been great and very respectful of that. There's been one or two clubs that just haven't even bothered backside calling us, but that's for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of, just linked into that, I think I think was it Pollock we signed eighteen of their players this week. Um, I mean they're they're obviously going down a different a different avenue to what you've gone down. Were you surprised to see that? I suppose see if you're Pollock or come or Rock and left one of the big guns, it's a lot easier to get boys to commit to that. Let's be honest, and um, I don't know I don't know what their budgets are and what their wages are, but. Uh, when I was at Cumberland, I know it was a hell of a lot higher than what it is at Shorts of God. So you're, you're never getting a guy to sign a deal for a good few quid that can contribute to his mortgage rather than somebody who's just playing for 30, 40 quid, you know. So it, it's, it's easier to get them to commit longer, longer term. So we just felt that it wasn't an avenue to go down just now with all the uncertainty and just to let the guys go and do their thing and keep themselves ticking over and hopefully come back to us. With that the fitness levels first and foremost and then the hunger and desire to go and take shots uh, up into the top league so uh, we just felt be, be fair with them just now and maybe they'll come back and be fair with us at a later date We brought in a couple of players we brought in two guys from uh, Les Mahego, Robert Irvin's been brilliant Robert's been brilliant to me since in fairness we started up at New Mains but uh, that's the one thing he said he says out of all the teams it's been in, you know, we're the only team that's been in contact with them and, and they've signed players. We we actually took the decision to, to go back and play. And one of the reasons was, is, you know, two years of building a team for us, it's difficult. If we lost players at, at New Men's level, it's very difficult to start building a team and stuff like that. But you'll be hoping, John, that uh, Shorts is a big enough pool to get boys back up. It's a cracking club. It's a big club. Lots of history great, you know, history in the Scottish Cup and stuff like that, it shouldn't be a problem attracting the guys back Nah, well as I say most of them seem really keen and I've got a good relationship with most of the players um, but you know and I know that sometimes that extra 30, 40 quid for somewhere else can be a real head turner and I mean who, who am I to, to say that that should be the case because I dare say in my career when I was playing that sometimes you did get your head turned a wee bit with an extra few quid if it was paying towards your car or your mortgage whatever so I wouldn't hold that against boys but I hope that they would come back as I feel as if we're very close to having a good enough squad to, to, to move up into the, the top level and um, we weren't far away at all as I think you mentioned in the wee intro at the start there last year I felt as if we still had a, right, a wee outside chance of getting up you know just before things were called and I think most of the players appreciate that as well so hopefully they've got that wee desire to come back and kind of final step up and prove that we, that we would have done it I was going to mention that but just, just before I do I mean you briefly mentioned uh, the social club at the club and I guess it's easy to forget that I suppose that the revenue that generates you know gives a lot of the, the, the cash to enable the, the club to continue I guess most people look at it as just no fans to the gate and no ticket revenue but Presumably that must, with the weddings and other functions that now can't even go on, that, that must, must have been a, a big, big factor in you coming to the conclusion. Was it, was it a bigger factor than fans, arguably? Um, well, yeah, it's huge, to be honest with you, because our social club has got the big function hall that holds 200, it's got two separate pub areas, it's massive, they've lost out over 100 odd grand in functions or something like that, like weddings and all the stuff that comes with it, the Eagle Show, 
the, 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 the Rangers Legends game that we have, that had three and a half thousand in it last year. There was all sorts of functions and stuff cancelled, weddings and you name it, any sort of function at all. And, and they did have the option, obviously, to open up there, but to open up the doors without the functions wasn't viable. It was costing the club something like five, the social club £5,000 or something to open up the doors. If they weren't getting functions, there was no point. So all the staff were furloughed and then they're obviously now there's been a couple of redundancies and stuff. So it's, it's a difficult time. And, and you spoke about Willie earlier. He's dealing with all that side of things as well as a football club. And, and I actually had to sit back and think to myself, I'm, I'm giving this guy a headache over over the, the football club side of things to play in a league that's not going to get its promotion. Um, am, I, am I giving this guy, making this guy ill, making him make decisions when there's people's livelihoods at the question here? So ultimately I just said, look, you just need to do what's right for you. And they were quite unanimous that doing the right thing for them was sitting out. So I couldn't argue with it. And how does that social club work? Is that owned by the club or is that yeah. kind of rented to the, to somebody who runs it? How does that work? No, it's run, it's owned by the club, so it's a big part of the community, you know, oh. so it's, it's absolutely huge. It's, it's a major, obviously Bells is our main sponsor and they've been great with the club, um, but, but they do make, obviously, the social club, they rely on that quite a bit as well. So I so it was important. It was an important part of the, the factor, the decision that we made. mentioned uh, the end to last season. Saw some quotes saying, quotes from you saying, you know, you felt like you'd been kind of shafted by the by the West Scotland League, and um, you know, you were, I think maybe you said you were a point away from the Premiership, and now you're two years away, and these kind of things. How, how, how do you look back on all that now? Did, did did could it have been handled better? And if so, how could it have been handled better? I mean, now you're out of the league. It's maybe different if you've been playing in the league and, and thinking we could have been one of those Premier League teams. If that, I, that makes sense. I, I don't think there's any doubt it could have been handled better. Like not, obviously, the COVID scenario, we've seen that coming. But I mean, just to go from the, the league's ended and then there was nobody getting promoted, and then I believe there was a lawsuit threatened, and all of a sudden there was three teams promoted on average points. But like, we'd won six in a row. I think Cumbernauld had had a wee bit of a sticky patch. We felt we might be an outside chance of catch them with four games in hand. All that kind of stuff. And I'm sure they would argue and Lantyre hadn't played as many games as well. So, the all day about it. I mean, we just felt, well, we could have caught them. We could have went up. And why was there no team relegated then? So, ultimately, there was maybe some teams in the top league who had hardly won a game all season got to stay in the Premier League whereas a team who'd had a successful season but had missed out and I, I realise that Nielsen and Renfrew and that could have argued the same as us because they were right up there as well um, but I just felt as if I don't know I think in the end it was one point or something we'd missed out by so it was it was, it was sore it's sore for me I'm pretty sure any guy who was in my position would go oh well that's not fair we should have been up there um, so I, it was it was quite, quite a sore one to take and then we got obviously the promise of everybody starting an even keel and and then with some of the big guns in the conferences, I'm pretty sure everybody was looking forward to that for, for any club at any level, any size of club, for Salt Coats, Vicks to the Shorts, Bonacle, to anybody. We're all, well, you're beautiful, we get a chance of playing your Rock and Lakes and Cumnocks and Clanaftons and stuff like that and Hurlfords. And then all of a sudden again, it was, no, that's not happening. So I just feel as if there was too much change at, at last minute decisions and it was just a wee bit, a wee bit farcical towards the end. I think the one thing you do touch on as well is actually added another eighty. If you do, if, you know, not even this sitting out by missing out on that, it, it's for a manager you'll have an idea in your head and plans in your head of where you want to be, and and now all of a sudden you probably or you physically can't get to there because not the fact that you're sitting out, but even the way the league was structured, it put another uh, put another year in, in in your way, didn't it? Yeah, it did die and listen, it's no guarantee we're going to get up, of course there wasn't it, because there's, every team strengthens and changes every season, but just to have that opportunity taken away, I just thought, oh, it was just a bit of a sore one to take, as, as I said, I'm fed up moaning about it, and I think people are probably fed up hearing me moaning about it, but if they were in my situation, they would probably be saying the exact same thing, I would imagine, so it was a tough one to take, we had moved on for it, and then again, it was in the, the, the no promotion, you're going, oh, here we go again. <laughs> it was another kind of kick in the teeth, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I mean, at the start, when, I mean, who agreed to there was no punishment if you pulled out and just allowed clubs to make that decision? And whether it was for the right reasons or not, it, again, it threw another spanner on the box. I was going to ask you about that because, again, I saw I saw some comments from you 
talking about, I think this might have been just before shots pulled out, but saying that, you know, you, you still wouldn't be surprised to see teams who do pull out get punished with the way that things have been have been ran. I mean, do, do, do you think that could be a possibility or was that just said in the heat of the moment? Uh, it was maybe said in the heat of the moment. I might be getting caught when I was, <laughs> when I was mm-hmm. realising I had to spend Saturdays in the shops. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's just... I listen. It's one of the things now. It's done me, and we just need to take your medicine and go on with it. And it kind of makes me just a wee bit more determined to go in next year and build a team that can compete and hopefully get up to that top league. You know, so that's the aim. We've obviously seen the Atlantic management team this week resign or step down. Uh, I've I've seen a, a couple of different things. I've seen what. Uh, Craig, who's part of the management team, come out and say they've stepped down until uh, things get a bit better. So I don't know what the plan is if they're going back into Atlantic. Was there any ever a time where you thought, John, that, do you know what, this is too much, I'm, I'm maybe just going to walk away from it? Uh, no, really, because of the committee up there. I've, I've, I've got a good, a right good committee. Um, as you spoke about Coulter earlier, and they're passionate guys, and they've been out their way to help me. And since the I've went to shots. I mean, we've done. We missed out in the league narrowly, but we get promotion, and then we were looking good again. And they were they were backing us, and they were they were being great. This, I mean, I was in coming up with a, well, a thirty man committee, and you <laughs> uh, you didn't get the, the, the support that I, that I got there. You know, um, that I get at shots at the training, the three the three or four of them that are on the committee are there every single night, and then he asked for they'll go and try and get it. You know, it's really professionally run, and I just felt as if I owed it to them to. But I wouldn't just go and walk away. So no, I'll, I'll stick about there and, and do my best until until my services are no longer required, uh, which can happen quickly in football. But no, I've got a good relationship with them, so quite happy to, to stay there and, and try and build on what we've got. Presumably, you've been keeping tabs on the scores though in, in all the in all the. Oh, I, I yeah, and I'll be I'll be climbing fences and sticking my head <laughs> through and trying to watch games when I can. <laughs> no, whenever whenever the restrictions are lifted, I'll be as as often as I can to watch games and it's given me a wee chance to maybe look at things, take a wee step back and go right, what, what do we need and what do we need to build on and we've now got the kind of Shots Academy as well so I can do a wee bit of work with them Brian Fleming's ahead of that, I'm doing my B licence but we'll just wait for a final assessment um, Brian, Brian Fleming's on that with me, um, so we've got a good relationship and we're looking at, obviously Shots have got an under 19s now, 16s all the way down um, so it's given me a wee bit of chance to go and have a look at what they're all doing and get involved in their training over the season. That'll be the plan once they're allowed back. Um, so I, it's, it's, kinda, it's given me a wee chance to look at that side of things and, and see where we're going to go. Well, what have you made of uh, some of the results? I mean, I mentioned at the start that Clyde Bank and Darvel are at the top. Do you think, um, do you think this is kind of... Well, Darvel have obviously showed uh, how ambitious they are, but Clyde Bank up there you know, with, with the, the pyramids... Being open, could, could could we see a, a resurgence, a Clyde, a resurgence of Clyde Bank? You know, I, I, I think so. I think Moff's a really good manager. He's he's a good guy, very intelligent manager, and he's signed very wisely. And, um, I I think they'll be they'll not be far away at all. Clyde Bank, I think Harrowford will, will uh, go from strength to strength as well. They'll get stronger. They always do. They're always there and thereabouts. And obviously, you've got big spending Darvel that everybody seems to be everybody's tips, but. The buffs as well, they're always they'll be close. So I it's gonna be it'll be an interesting league and I mean the job that Gibby's done at Blantyre, I mean nobody should turn their nose up at that and they've went and had a couple of really good results already, you know. They've they've done fantastic. They were, I think they lost out to you know, the three points at Hurlford with a couple of last minute goals and then they went and get a result against Cowan at the weekend. So it just shows you their their league forum is absolutely incredible. What a job he's done there. I think the other thing is when we talk about Clyde Bank and Darvel, Clyde Bank and Darvel in the next five years will be a, a, a general, they'll be away, they'll, they'll, they'll climb the leagues without a doubt, uh, That the standings in that league at the moment I, I don't think will change very much to be honest for, from the first couple of weeks. I, I think you could be right, as I said the only ones I feel Hendo at Hurlford they always strengthens throughout the season they always come good Scottish Cups and stuff like that they're always in the finals and they're always there and thereabouts so it'll be interesting to see if, if they pick up their form I know they had a couple of suspensions and stuff there so and that's the big John Gemmo stuff was out so once they get the kind of guys back they'll be fine but I, I agree with you I think Clyde Bank's going to be one to, one to watch that's for sure 
it was, it was a big statement. Of, I mean, even though people, the players were missing 4 0 against Stilford, mm-hmm. still a very decent result, isn't it? I think there was an early red card as well for Hurlford, but no, take, take that away. I think uh, Moss built a good team there. I've seen he signed the boy Gallagher as well for Glen Afton. I really mm-hmm. like He's a good player. He's got, he's got uh, quality in the wings and stuff like that as well. So I think they'll be, and that new surface is a style of play will suit them. So I think they'll be they'll be the ones to watch for me. And then Conference A, you've got you've got Craig Mark, Bertonians and uh, Renfrew at the top there. Renfrew had a big win on the weekend, didn't they? They uh, they won 3-0 against Maryhill. Yeah, I Renfrew, they a good side as well. Another good set-up, good part there as well. And I found them difficult last season when we played them. They're a good side, so... Yeah, I think they'll be up there, that's for sure. Muirkirk as well. Muirkirk, I think I heard this week they've took four boys in from Auckland Lake, so uh, ah, right. I, I that. think that'll be that'll make it four boys for Auckland Lake in anybody's team. I think I don't ah. I, I don't even know who the four are, but that'll right. that'll make a huge difference. And uh, I speak to the the Bellsell management staff quite a bit. They'll be resilient as well. I think Bellsell they'll know they'll not give much away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying they'll go on and they'll, they'll, they'll beat the bigger teams, but they'll no, they'll not drop that many points either. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, they'll be decent. They signed Dylan McGuigan from us, um, a winger, and he'll he'll do well there too. So, uh, and they've got the new the new setup and stuff going on, haven't they? The new yeah. the new clubhouse and stuff. So, a club on the up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and Dell's a good manager there, so yeah, uh, I, th- I think they'll they'll do really really well. Aldea sitting at the foot of that as well. Again, for the last couple of years, they've struggled, haven't they? So, uh, and, and Glasgow University is in there. I, I don't know a great deal about them. I don't know if you you know much about them, John, if you've come across them at all. No, do you know, it was, we were, the first round of fixtures came out, that was, we were scheduled for that to be our first game and see, trying to dig for information on them. It was, it was quite hard. It was really, really difficult. I think at one point they were in lockdown, so they weren't playing any games, and I was going, I can't find out anything about this team. You know, it was really... Really hard. It was, it was a strange one because normally you know somebody who's played them in pre-season or you can find out some yeah. information. They were just a total unknown quantity. But then obviously, as I say, the fixtures get pushed back, and that was that done anyway. Well, we've got Edinburgh Uni uh, a week on Saturday in the cup, so uh, is that a weird bit like that as well? It's not a great deal. Not a great deal of information on. Uh, you just need to hope your own team perform, don't you? <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. Take care of yourself. That's right. And uh, Conference B was where all the. Uh, the goals were, I think, on Saturday. Johnston Borough beat Kaluk 6-1. And uh, Port Glasgow Juniors beat Irving Victoria 5-1. Greenwich Juniors beat Baylor Leaven 5-1. Nielsen atop along with Port Glasgow Juniors. But that, was, that was some results for uh, for Johnston Borough against Kaluk, wasn't it? They had a great pre-season as well. They were beating loads of, loads of the bigger guns in pre-season. I've been watching them keep their eye out, so they seem to be doing really, really good. I think they'll be... He'll be right up there. Um, pre-season results were fantastic and seem to be going from strength to strength. So I think they'll do well. And Port Glasgow and another one, they've been doing great throughout pre-season as well in the first couple of games. Always a hard place to go down there. You're always in for a battle. I'm feeling for weary to look at the moment. I've mentioned on here before, it's my hometown team. Do you know what I mean? And it's not as if they've become a bad a bad team overnight. Do you know what I mean? They've got the, the, the great facility up at Kirkluck and They'll get back on track. I'm looking at. I don't know whether he's got injuries because I was looking at some uh, the the lineup on Saturday. And there's one or two that weren't in the team that I would have thought would, would have probably started for him. Johnson Borough. They've been together for years. They they they're a, a, a group of players there that I think they've they've come through the 21s. I think we actually mentioned that when Paul Kelly was on the show. Uh, they'll not be far away, and their pre-season results have been good. And your old team, Wisher, John, they seem as they train in the park next to us. Uh, they seem they, they kind of started off a bit slow in pre-season, but they seem to have picked up results. I don't know whether they brought in quite a few signings or maybe used the the, the loan market a wee bit with teams pulling out, but they certainly turned things round a bit. I I know Spud really well. I signed him as a as a player at Wisher just before I left. In fact, I always blame him for me leaving. I signed him and left about two weeks later. Uh, couldn't be bothered listening to him, but no, he's a good guy, Spud, and he's, he's got a lot of contacts in the game. You know, he's, you know, as a manager, you've got to be busy, you've got to know everybody, and he's, he's one of the guys he'll, he'll go about and he'll, he'll keep bettering them. He's no scared to, to get rid of ones if he can find somebody who's better. He's, he's got that ruthless streak, that's what I like about him. We played them in pre season, they were a good team. Um, it, was, it was an interesting game, they, were, they gave us a right, a right battle. 
It's a really tough league that as well because I'm looking at Vela leaving. Vela leaving been in their division for the last two years and Rio and another team that's the, the, the players have seen have been there for a long time and a real hard working team. I, I really like Vela leaving and I'm surprised they'll claim that league a wee bit as well. It's not an easy place to go and play. Did they beat Mabel the weekend? I think didn't they? they went down there. Beat Mabel. No, it was, no, it was uh, Mabel. Mabel played St Rocks, I think. Oh, was it? Aye. That's what it was St Rocks actually. It was yeah. a later game, wasn't it? Aye, another yeah. team who had a good side, St Rocks. And in the conference C, there was only other one, one uh, other game uh, out with New Mains against Yoko, and that was Drumchapel for St Anthony's nil. Uh, that's Drumchapel off and running. I think it was a bit of a surprise to see them. Um, not winning on week week one, but um, do you think can you see them? Can you see them slowly moving up the, the division, John? Oh, they yeah. should die. Uh, they've seen some real quality, haven't they? They've got Daz McKinnon and stuff. They are good season pros, so yeah, they'll be they'll be they'll be in about it. That's for sure. Um, I advance them strongly to be to be up competing for that. I think when you've got guys like Willie Dyer. Um, yeah. Darian McKinnon and Chrissy Craig in your team, you're, you're not going to be far away. I'd actually watched them, uh, the, their game against Coalsyth was on the internet and I, and I watched the game and it was a, a couple of mistakes. Coalsyth just went about their business as an experienced team and that, you know, they've been over the, the course so many times, but aye, Drumchapel will be up there as well, absolutely. Big, big Wally Sawyer's done the damage that game, didn't he? He's been a bit He did. Year. And I don't know if you've seen it. Every time I've played against his team, he's always, always caused us all sorts of trouble. You know, that ball on his feet and kind of get, kind of get close to him. And he's a real predator, Big Willie. He's a good, good lad as well. And you know what? He'll never have any easier goals in the game. They were pretty much keep a spill on the ball and a tap in. Or I, think, I don't think any of his goals were at the six yard box. Ah. But he's done that for years, isn't that's he? It. Do you know what that's I mean? It, yeah. And just, to, just to finish this section off, I mentioned it. In the intro, um, sad news about Tam Anderson passing away. Um, done a lot for the game. Did a lot for for Lanark. Um, you ever come across him, John? Um, not personally, no. But I've obviously heard um, loads of the tributes and stuff to him, and I heard I obviously know of him over the years. Um, so I, it's a shame to see guys like this. You know, you see that happening. Guys passing away. It's a shame. Big, big miss to the junior grade. Um, done his club proud over the years as well and done a lot of hard work in the background so I condolences to all his family and everybody at the club You were obviously kind of uh, you had to deal with it in a kind of an indirect way on uh, on Saturday Paul um, you come across Tam, Tam or, I mean you, you're getting Yeah yeah. I, 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 I don't I didn't know Tam uh, but I signed a goalkeeper uh, from Lanark uh, two years ago and you know I had to go up and, and to Lanark and do the paperwork and stuff, and just a, a, a gentleman of a guy, knows knows the game inside out, run leagues, run a really good ship up there, uh, and even when I spoke to the George and Alan, who are on the committee this week, they'd actually mentioned to me, because on the Wednesday, I, originally the game was meant to be at our park, I'd asked them if it was going to be playable, could we switch it, and they'd actually said to me that they would struggle, because it was like three three home games in a row, and they'd mentioned to me then that Mr Anderson was was in hospital. Uh, and then obviously when we woke up on Saturday morning, uh, the, the news was was there. Uh, and they'd obviously asked then the league, could they quite rightly postpone the game? And uh, yeah, I think when you see all the minute silences and the tributes around the ground, it says everything about the man, doesn't it? Yeah, here, here. And uh, as John said, uh, I thought so. Uh, with everybody at the club uh, and uh, Tam's family. My name's Chris Jane and I'm the Cohen and Rangers manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Wishaw have brought popular defender Andy Duffy back to the club after he had a spell at Canvas Lang Rangers. Over at Bells Hill, they've been busy adding to their squad. They've signed Mark Doran on a season-long loan from Albion Rovers. Campbell Gray has arrived from Canvas Lang Rangers and experienced defender Neil Schoenville has arrived as well. Kilmarnock defender Craig Ross has joined Chris Strain's co-winning Rangers on loan. And over at Arthurley, they've agreed in principle to release the club's entire first-team squad from their contracts. 
I'm Adam Hopes, co-manager of Drumchapel United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Our guest this week is Shots Bonacourt manager John McKeown. Uh, as I said in the intro, John, football started for you at Ipswich. How did all that come about, heading down there so young? I, just as a kid, I was playing with the Catholic United Boys Club, and um, just obviously Joe Gawkin was a scout at the time. He signed myself and Big Steph Moffat. We were the centre half partnership, and Big Steph stayed in there a lot longer than me. Um, I'd, I'd actually initially signed a, an S for the Wraith Rovers, and then um, I, I think at that point, Ipswich came in and they didn't stand in their way and let us go down. But I was still tied to my mother's apron, things unfortunately, and didn't settle at all. And it was yeah. a couple of road before I knew it, and that was me. Um, I had a couple of clubs up here I could have maybe signed Millie Aberdeen and stuff like that, but I didn't want to move away I wanted to, to live at home um, so I went I got offered to go into Air United which meant I could travel each day with, with the assistant manager at the time Ian Monroe was giving me a lift and stuff so that suited me better um, so that was the reason why it was a short stay down there to be honest sometimes you look back and you go I wish I, I, wish I had stuck yeah. with John Connolly been down there at that um, time I think he was Maybe just after me. I'm pretty sure he was just after me, Big JC. Um, I, I know, I know, John. Through the years, I played beside him at Dumbarton. He got loaned out to us uh, for a spell as well. Um, and, and know him obviously through the through the junior game. So, how long? How long did you spend down there? Um, I was only three months or something like that. It wasn't long at all. I was just kind of I was more down the school holidays and stuff, and then signed the deal and didn't last long at all. Um, it just wasn't for me, you know, it's one of the things. Um, I'd seen where the digs and stuff were going to be and just didn't, just didn't appeal to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. How old were you then when you went down, John? Um, 16. Right, yeah. bouts, bouts of homesickness when you went yeah. down. Yeah. yeah, it was just that. He just didn't, didn't, wasn't ready to, to, to leave the rest, if you like. Um, I it's, yeah, sometimes look back and go, I wonder what the harm if I stuck about in there, but you can't, you can't look back. <laughs> and uh, you, you mentioned you went on to air. I mean, you had spells air, Dumbarton, Cowdenbeath and, and Stenhouse Muir before you kind of went into the juniors. How do you look back on, on your playing days? Obviously, I, to a premature end, which we'll come on to in a minute. But I, oh, listen, I was just fit by the athlete, any, like most guys, you know, just was never without a ball. And you, you know what it's like, you're at school, you think you're going to be on to be the next Ronaldo, you're going to go and make millions at the game. and but um, I, I was always quite level-headed, you know. I knew I was the world's best player. I wasn't blessed with natural athleticism or pace, but I, I was dedicated and, and gave my all. And that's what I always say to my players and stuff now. Like, enjoy it and, and make sure as long as you give everything, like, uh, you're going to make mistakes, especially at the level we are at. But I, I was always never missed training. Yeah, that's for sure. I was always at training. I always worked really, really hard and felt I was good as a team player, you know. Um, so that's the one thing I always expect. I was quite disciplined as well. Um, it, when I was playing, it wasn't so much the dietary side and all that. It was more disciplined at the site, at, at the park. I wasn't going and getting silly red cards. I was looking after myself as much as I could. But um, the game's totally changed since then. Most of the boys now, even at our level, are all look after their bodies a lot better than what we did there at the gym all the time. And they come back to pre-season flying. Well, when I played, you never. How much... Um how much then of a disappointment was it, you know, that you had to retire at what 27 because of your arthritis in your hip? Um, I, I was gutted. I was devastated. I knew there wasn't something, there was something alright there for a good few years. I was popping all sorts of painkillers before games, during games, after games. In fact, I ended up with an ulcer because I was taking so many painkillers. <laughs> I just wasn't willing to give up. And I, I would play and I couldn't walk on the Sunday, literally couldn't walk even the Monday and then train the Tuesday, I was just coming back round again and I just kept doing it because I loved football and I couldn't see myself not playing and then there just came a point where I thought I can't take any more of this and I was breaking down constantly um, and in fact I went to sign with Cumberland Juniors and I was I just couldn't get fit, I just it was injury after injury, I was compensating for my hip and Hamstrings were going, casts were going, and that was me. I just knew there and then that it was that it was time to to sit back. And I seen the consultant, and he said to me, "If you keep playing, you'll be in a wheelchair before you're forty." He said you're going to need a lot of surgery, so um, it was the right decision at the time to, 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 to stop and get the operation. So where were you when you discovered that? Were you Stenhouse Muir when when you discovered this, or had this been building up? Did you kind of know it from 
years Genuinely, before. I honestly felt it when I was as young as 21. <laughs> Tom Barton, we used to train the old style of Asseter's pitch, you know, the old, just the sand base. Sand based, and aye. I remember coming off and my hips would be hurting the end. I just thought, just that hard surface just got on me. But as over the years, things just started to flare up and it was getting worse and worse and went for all sorts of, to see specialists and stuff and nobody could really find it. And then eventually I got to the bottom of it. But I it was one of the things, you know, it called it short. But um, I suppose that's kind of why I got into the management side of it so, so early. Did, when you say you had to have an operation, did you did you need a replacement? Um, uh, no, they, they put three pins in my hip and resurfaced it and um, opened me up for like the thigh up to hanging 42 staples or something. It was quite a bad injury. There was crutches for four months and uh, I was in quite a bad way, you know, and obviously the now I've, I've not had it the place but they said I will need it the place long term if I, so I'm trying my best to look after it as much as I can and I can't do any high impact stuff so um, I've maintained it for, for this period of time I'm only 39 so hopefully I can hang on a few more years before I need it replaced You touched on you went into management at Wisha did you go in there as player manager or were you straight I, in as manager? Do you know, after I get my operation, again, this is just how much I loved football and how stupid I was. I'd been told, don't play or you'll, you'll need it to play sooner rather than later. And I thought, I'll go and get a wee try. I played maybe a handful of games. And I remember, I actually remember we were playing a pre-season friendly and I'd done a slide tackle and I think I must have hit one of the pins and I nearly jumped through my skin. I thought, no, that's me. And at that time, it was John Farland, the senior, who was a manager yeah. there. And he... He don't, I'd only played a few games and he got the call to go back to Thornywood, his local team, who had been with me for years. And then Alec Young phoned us that night. He went, do you fancy taking it, you and John Paul McBride? And I said, I ain't bother. I said, we'll get a bash. And that was it, you know. I don't think we won a game for months. And then the second half of the season, we hardly lost a game. And then we just we went from strength to strength. It was good. Uh, it was a real eye-opener for me. And it was such a good learning curve. I'm so glad that I was in at that kind of level at the time because they were... Always down at the bottom, of the, it was old Division Two, um, and we eventually got in the first promotion in forty odd years. So it was great. It was, it was a brilliant time. It was a brilliant bunch of boys. It was all guys playing for nothing, coming for under twenties football and stuff like that, who were just there to try and make a name for themselves. And I sometimes laugh about it because you were, I mean, I think the boys were getting eight quid a week, but they were getting two quid taken off them for the lottery money in a pound for the. <laughs> <laughs> the last man standing all that kind of stuff and it was so easy to deal with compared to when I then moved to come up and you're dealing with massive budgets you know it was a, but it was good it was a good time do, do you remember going in to deliver your first team talk after getting the job you know did the sort of days like that stay with you forever I they do I because I'd obviously been in there as a kind of player coach although I wasn't playing much and it was just a wee bit awkward to then go to being that the voice of authority if you like but I had a right good bunch in there, you know, as I said, it was mostly younger guys who were looking to go and make a wee name for themselves and we eventually took some real big scalps and stuff, which was great, beating Hawk and Lecky and all that and it was just probably some of my best memories yet as a manager, um, some of them the early days at Wishaw, it was great. And where were you playing at the time? Were you, would you be in the sports centre or were you at Beltane? Did they, they move to the Beltane? But... It was the first season at the Beltane, aye. It was the first right. season there, um, so it, it was it was a, a kind of new chapter for the club, um, and, and the guys did their best, you know, they did, they've never had money, I doubt they ever will have money because they don't have a big fan base, but they do their best run about there, you know, there's a lot of hard-working guys, Robert Watson and stuff in the background there, and Owen Dunn and Harry uh, Wilson and that, it's, like, it's another good committee, Alec Young uh, seems to be the, kind of, the, the main man there now, um, Alec's been a bit there for years as well, so... I, it, was a, it was a good club. It was really, really good and they were good to me. Great pies as well. <laughs> aye, aye, great pies for I, Alex. I, I, have, I, have, I have to say that my father-in-law bakes them. <laughs> 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 and then a big step up then going from Wish It to Cumnock. How did that come about? Um, I believe it was... I mean, as I said, we took a few scalps. We'd beat some of the bigger clubs. We'd beat uh, Auckland Lake in the Cup, which was a a big shock um, we'd beat Clyde Bank and we were just starting to, to do really really well and um, come up we're obviously struggling a wee bit and I think Campbell Murray was the one who put my name forward and they asked to meet me and that was it you know I, I had aspirations to go and go a wee bit higher so it was a kind of no-brainer if you like going from I think we'd just been promoted actually we're five games in into the League One to go up to the Premier League but coming up in a kind of bad way and it was a full rebuild you know it took a wee bit of time but 
eventually brought some success there as well, which was good. Yeah, tell us about those uh, title success, the two cup finals, the five semi-finals. Uh, I, do you know what, at the start they were hunting, they were desperate for my head, they were wanting my head in the chopping board, because we it, it was a tough time, everybody had a settled squads and they were sitting bottom of the league and I think people expected us to turn it around, but honestly it was just one of the times where no matter what we'd done, we would batter teams and they would just break away and score, you know, they say when you're down at the bottom of the table, your luck's out, it was just it was a, a real case of that, we were just so unfortunate and but when we, I'll tell you a story, we showed up our first night to training and there was seven boys there on the Thursday night and I'm going, what is going on here? And there was like five balls and a couple of markers and I'm like, this is come with juniors. We're playing Ock and Lake on the Saturday. Oof. And I'm, I'm going, wait a minute here. I can't, I can't believe what we're going to do. They were all so unfit. They hadn't had a proper pre-season or anything like that. Um, and knocking like 6 now on a Saturday and I remember people shouting my head after the first game and I'm thinking oh my god what have I done here because you just see that there was no a lot of the guys who were getting paid good money they were just showing up to train and picking up their wages and it was just an absolute farce the whole mentality had to be changed and I knew it was going to take time after that first session I thought this isn't going to be a quick overnight thing you know um, but the fans up there, they're used to success, they, they expect it instantly. Um, I remember going to, so that was on the Saturday, beat 6 now. I went to a committee meeting on the Sunday and they sat me in a chair and there was about 30 of them mm-hmm. about me. And a guy says to me, uh, you think we'll win the Scottish this year? <laughs> um, but I said, and I said jokingly, as long as we don't draw and let, and there was a stone silence in the room and I'm thinking, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> that was See, after that, answer. After that first training on the Wednesday night, did you ever think, this hip might just hold out for another couple of months? <laughs> that's, that's for the game, mate. Give me that kind of, you're going to take it a game at a time. And uh, I remember there was a lot of people were obviously really saying that, like, oh, he needs to go, I need experience. And I said to the committee, I, I played this lesson, give me a chance to get one players in. And I think we went and signed about 12 new players that pre-season and changed the whole mindset of the place. And it was good. It was... It was good to see he's going for being so poor to, to then being a team that could compete and not only winning that league, which we've obviously expected to win. It was between us, Cohen and Clyde Bank, I think, were the favourites. But we won the league, but we also done well in the Cups and got to Ranock and Lake pretty close, which was a big thing because they'd seen where we had went from. Um, and that's obviously massive down there. We were competing again, so it was good. Obviously, the rivalry down there between Cumnock and Auckland Lake's massive. Do you actually think the committee would have changed it after a couple of weeks? Do you know what? There's, there's, I, I wouldn't have been surprised. I think it was split. I think it was old George Morton that was fighting my corner for me because I didn't <laughs> who I was going to sign and was pleading with him, give me time, I've got this one lined up and this one lined up and thankfully they did. Um, so no, Again, it, it's funny because I speak to Martin Devlin, he was with me just at the end of our show and he came to come when we were talking about the early days and stuff and how, how hard it was, you know, you're getting a torrid time, we're walking into the social club and getting pelters off the fans and we're just demanding demanding success off of us and it's weird I know people think oh, it's only a junior team but it's hard when you've got maybe a good maybe five, six hundred guys being for your blood when you're not doing well it was a big shock for coming for wish over there was no pressure, no budget everything was going bright and rosy to then getting flung into the kind of lines then if you like did you ever ever at times just think we could have just stayed at Wish and been in this job for years you know it's like you know because it's you're, when you've got it easy you know you're, for the results you had at Wish nobody was getting ready you no, know exactly. and, 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 and I know everybody wants to try and manage at the highest level possible but then there's it's going from I suppose easy street in terms of not you were winning every week at Wisher, but there's no as much pressure on you. Oh, you must have been, no, must have been no driving up the road some nights thinking, oh, if only I was back at Beltane. <laughs> I, I, I said that it was the longest drive in the world to come and come back to come when you were only winning. You know, it would seem like two hours down the road, but I, I'm quite a determined character. I think I always have been if I just wanted to go and prove to people that I could cut it. I mean, if I had walked away from Cumnock when they went down, I'd have been a failure that have been it. I tried the top level and never made it so I was delighted I stuck about and the night we won the league to go back up was 
as I said, it was one of the best feelings ever because I felt as if I'd proven a lot of people wrong and a lot of people said that to us. Like, fair play, easy stuck about and you could have left. So aye, it was, it was good times there as well. With that determination, is there a little part of you maybe being greedy that thinks maybe you, you, you could have had more glory down there with the five semi-finals, the two cup finals, you know? That... Well, definitely, listen, the West of Scotland Cup final will haunt me forever because we, we took the job there and Jules Mont said to me, son, if you want to be a legend here, just one is the West. And we got to the, the West final that second year and we, we beat Auchinleck on the Thursday night and we played Pollock on the Saturday in the final, but it was at Pollock. And we were uh, two one up in the ninety second minute, and I said to the ref, "How long I want to make a sub?" And he said, "That's it." And they punted the ball up, and I felt there was a foul on their centre half, and Del Hepburn run through and lobbed their goalie, and equalised, and it went straight to penalties. We were beat before it even went to penalties because we were the boys were so deflated. And I, I remember that was probably one of the only times I've cried at a football match. I was gutted, that was devastating because I just thought. That was, that was the chance, you know, we came so, so close. I've never won the West in their history, which for a club that come up would have been huge. Um, but uh, that's, that's one of the moments that will stick with me forever. <laughs> what did you say to the referee? Oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know. I was, just, I was gutted, you know, because we just had to go that close. But um, the boys were shattered. I think we'd played something like three games that week and they were just they were dead in their feet and just wonder. Uh, aye, it's just one of the things you're on over your head all the time. I see the clips sometimes on YouTube. I can't watch it. <laughs> 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 oh. uh, but aye, I, the, the things like that for me, I'm like, oh, I'd love to go and win the West. That's I need to do that before I chuck that, that level of football. I want to, but then obviously now that's all away, so I want to yeah. go and win a major trophy in, in the West of Scotland League before I before I chuck it. <laughs> I mean, you, you left come like what three years after taking over there. I think they. I think they were sitting bottom of the Premier Division at that time. Had things ran its course, or I mean, was was the I think I read earlier maybe that there wasn't maybe the scope to to bring in as many players as you wanted, or to make the changes that possibly you you wanted to have made in a, in an ideal world. Well, it was a funny one because a couple of months before, I think we had played right up to the end of June. We won the last teams playing. We had we obviously lost in the West final. We had then played Auchinleck in the Ayrshire final. And we get a doing, we get two Paul Burns and Steve McKenna, two experienced players sent off. And it was a tight game and then it ended up like four, four or five one because the sending offs at the end, we just lost discipline. And I remember Paul Burns saying to me after I left, he said, you know what, see if we hadn't got to the Ayrshire final, you would have still been in a job. He said, because he's lost so heavy, it was on their minds. It was on the fans' minds and the committee's mind. And then we started the season quite poorly. I think we needed a striker. And I just felt as if I wasn't getting back to go and get the striker that I wanted in. And then I think the only team we beat was Pollock. Um, and I just felt as if I wasn't getting the support. And there was a few people were making grumbling, grumbling noises, you know, or maybe it's time for change. And that's what happens at these clubs. No hard feelings, you know. They had to go and freshen it up. And they made that. Well, to be fair, we actually, it was a kind of mutual decision we made after Beef gave us a doing at home. And I said, well, why they're going to spend big because we need a couple of, do we need to freshen up a wee bit? I think that was maybe one of the mistakes we made. We never freshened up enough because the boys had done so well. Um, and we met with them after it and just decided, look, you maybe need another direction. And that was it. But there was no hard feelings or anything. It's a great club, wonderful people in there. And it's because I went straight into other work, I've hardly been back down, but it's one that I'm, I'm desperate to go back down and see all the, the, the people that, that you get friendly with in there. You know, we've had some good times and it's a great club and hopefully under Tony Mack they go and do well again How hard is it working for a committee of the size of that I mean how many guys would have been on that there'd be 20 odd guys at least on there wouldn't there how hard is that because you only only need to disagree with one of them but five of them are his mates how hard is that Aye well that's that I mean I think it was almost 30 and it was just some some things it was it it was really really hard to deal with you know as you say there's always going to be somebody in that that doesn't like you (laughs) That's that's football for you. I mean, everybody thinks they're Jose Marino, didn't they? So all it takes is a couple of people not to like you, and, and that's it. Um, but it was it was difficult. It, it was hard to what it was a real real eye opener, as I said. But there was some real gems. You know, George Morton, who's been about the, the junior grade for years. Guys like that were great with me down there. Um, and Wally Dick and stuff. These kind of guys were great. But uh, it just one of them. It had probably ran its course and. Maybe, maybe I needed to kind of take a wee step back for it as well because I'd been kind of flung in at a young age, if you like, and 
it had been a stressful couple of scenes. I think in the seasons we were there, we played every, every game was nearly for the last Saturday in June before we were finishing. Ah, it was just ridiculous, and then you were straight back into it again. So it was quite it was quite hard with all the travel as well. I worked in Dumbarton. I was working in Dumbarton, living in Eddingston and travelling to Cumnock. I was hardly in the house, you know. It puts a lot of strain. It's a difficult job to do. Just before we come on the shots, we kind of glossed over um, your achievements at Wishaw a little bit. I mean, you mentioned it was the first promotion in, in well, it's 38 years, you know, in, in 2014. I think, was it the previous year you just missed out by a point? Um, yeah. You know, going up from the, the old first division, the central district first division. How, how give us your, what memories do you have from that year? You know, the, I think it was a bit of a nervy 2-1 win over East Cobb right that sealed it, wasn't it? And, <laughs> well, honestly, that's the most nerve wracking game I've ever been involved in in my life, I, you know, because... Particularly what happened 12 months, particularly with what happened after 12 months earlier, I guess, you know, it's only human to have, have what happened 12 months earlier on your mind when you're 2-1 up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was it was a, just it was for the again it was for the committee guys that you wanted to win it, you know, and, and get promoted because they've been there for a long time and they'd been desperate for it and you were so close and you were just thinking, like, come on, let's just go, go over the line. So I it was great and as I say, we had such a good tight knit kind of bond there in terms of players and and the committee that it was it was good celebrations that night. I thought you scored right. That will live with me forever. It was great. It was just for a small club to go and to achieve what they'd been aiming for for well striving for for so long it was great um, so I some good 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 times there and you had a I mean how, how long were you out of work in between uh, leaving Cameron and taking over a shot about 12 months was it or, well no right? actually I went, I went to Canberra Slang Rangers to help out with um, Paul McCall and Jimmy Kerr and Billy Campbell they'd, they'd asked I'm quite friendly with you guys and they'd said to me come in and keep my foot in the door and, and do a wee bit of kind of coaching and help out and it was it was actually quite refreshing to go into a club and not be the one making the, the big decisions and picking the team and stuff. And you would walk in, they would say, which was your team of day? And I say, that's actually that's up to you three. <laughs> <laughs> I was the guy out there telling the subs, oh, I don't know how he's not playing you today. Uh, no, but no, seriously, so was, it was good to take a wee step back and just enjoy the coaching side and, and get to see it from a different perspective. I, I really enjoyed my time there. And again, it was another promotion that they managed to win. Um, up to the Premier so that was good and then shots came calling for us and it was kind of like do you stick a bit with Camus Lang in the Premier or do you go and be your own man again but I'd kind of decided that I wanted to go and do my own thing again and and get back into the managing side so I'm glad I did and In terms of where you were before the pandemic struck I mean were you where you wanted to be if you know, if you know what I mean obviously things have changed now because of what we talked about already in the show but you know were, were you kind of on that on that kind of plan that you hope to be on and I, we're, we're actually a wee bit ahead of schedule we'd said maybe two years to get promoted out of the, 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 the league one at the time it was called and the championship we, we came up first time of asking and narrowly missed out and winning it um, to Gartcairn um, we started really poorly I think we'd lost the first few games because it was a new squad and then we, came, we were really really strong is that right? I am. I'm sure that was the case here. And Blantyre came really strong as well. And then into the, the championship, and we were sitting fourth or fifth place, you know, we we're, were close to the promotion slots. We'd been leading the way up till just before Christmas, and we lost our way a wee bit. So I we were probably ahead of schedule, to be honest with you. Um, as I say, that's now sitting arguing to have with a cop, one of the teams, but <laughs> you never know. You never will know. And, and what, what's your style of management, John? I mean, You've obviously you've gone into Wishaw, you turned things around there. You've gone into Cumnock, you turned things around there. Are, are you kind of uh, you're a big tactician? Are you big big on the motivational side, or you know your kind of style of football, your philosophies? I don't do it. It's Martin Devlin that does everything. He'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. Um, you want to see? I guess maybe just a wee bit of man management. I'm a great believer. Seen during. Keep calling it junior football, uh, or level of football. It's more, it's it's who you know, and if you know how you have a fit, disciplined team, I think you do fine. That's, I think that's half the battle. I spoke to Tucker the very first time in me, that, that Wishaw game. And I said, Kips, can you give me because he was obviously the god of junior football, and he, he forever will be. His record was unbelievable, and he just said, just make it really hard for them to miss training. Just be, just make sure they're all there and they're fit, keep them fit and organised. And, that was something I always took. I'd, somebody told me they're missing training. I'd phone me then, don't text me, phone me. Or if they didn't phone me, I'd start phoning them and hounding them, <laughs> and making it hard for them to miss things, you know, and making them 
it's, it's almost a wee bit of kind of kidology. You're, you're, you're acting like you're a, a manager of Man United. You're really treating it as if it's serious. Because if you don't take it seriously, players won't take it seriously. I think that's, that's the truth. And I just like you have a good change in them. I think um, come knock at the start, I realised if you've not got a team that are in it with you and that want to be fit, then there's no point. They can be all, have all the talent in the world. They've got to be in it for you. And that's now that when I go and sign up there, I'll make sure he's the right type, I think, more than anything else. But uh, tactics and stuff, I'm quite old-fashioned. I just, defenders defend and attackers do the business. Eat the good players and let them win your games. That's the way I look at it. Uh, Kick it along and hunt it down. I, I, was, I was not a fancy <laughs> player. Just press high and eat the guys that have got the ability and let them win you the game. That's the way I look at it. I'm no going to sit here and kid on. I'm any master tactician. Far from it. <laughs> My name is Brown Ferguson, manager of Linlithgow Rose, and you are listening to Down the Divisions. Which brings us to Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Right, John, who was your idol as a boy? Um, been a centre-half and going to Ibrooks from my old man. It was Richard Goff. who used to always watch him and think that's... I was saying, oh, I should be old school and defended properly, a true leader and stuff like that. So I, he was always a guy who I idolised. I know most guys it was in gas coins and loud ropes, but at that age, I knew he was going to be a defender. So it was kind of that was a guy who I always idolised. Uh, who was the toughest opponent you faced? I was thinking about that one. A few people gave me the run around in my playing days, but uh, <laughs> I remember playing against Mixu Partline as a young kid, and he absolutely bullied me. For 90 minutes, I remember just setting myself up at the end of the game, thinking just win one header, and he up the road happy, and I still couldn't win the one header, he just <laughs> absolutely dominated me, like, you watch these guys and they tell you, ah, it's not that good, but internationals who just know how to use their body and how to play, and he was great with me after it, picked me up and patted me down and told me to stick at it, and I would do well, I was only a 17 year old kid, it was easy after they shoved seven past us, but he was great <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's the favourite football top you've worn and why? Um, it's, a, it's a hard one. I, I probably like Cowden Beastrap, the, the, the blue Brazil, the, the blue and white number. I just liked it with a good season and I just no, no specific reason, just the fact I liked it all and enjoyed my time there. Uh, who's the best player you've played with? Um, do you know what? I'd probably say John Paul McBride, the IP. Um, played beside him at Stenhouse Muir and God that guy could could have went on to make millions if you know if things had just went his way and he'd stuck at it a wee bit more. Don't admit that himself. I know he played an old firm game and stuff for Celtic, but the talent on him was incredible. Just couldn't get the ball off him in training. Um just could win you games single handedly. And there wasn't many players I played with that could could do that. He was just such a great talent, great ability. And what's the best practical joke you've seen? Um, I guess it's quite a good one uh, Martin Devlin when we were at Wishaw um, before we played Ock and Lake in the big West of Scotland game that we beat them he <laughs> he set up a fake email address um, and phoned John McStay and Jason Lafferty to the players and they got Jason Lafferty to do a day-to-day diary in the build-up to the game um, so Jason was sending them through emails like uh, Monday night the, the buzz is starting to kick in and giving them a break during his day um, so, John McStay he phoned by John McStay and he got me doing an interview over the phone so we go to training on a Thursday night and Dev says to him who was the two that was doing a bit of work for the Wishaw Press this week and they two put their hands up eager as ever he said you just have to go back to the club he says and you change into a strip the photographer's coming so they two were away running back to get the strips on. I was sitting with the hair wax out, getting their sales organised. <laughs> the dev comes in and <laughs> he brings in printouts of Jason's diary and he plays John McStay's interview over the stereo. <laughs> like John McStay ran out the changing and ran up the road. <laughs> to be fair, they two get their last laugh because they both scored on the Saturday. Big McStay scored the winner, so there you go. This is Des Roach, ex-referee, Cabernet Leadside assistant manager, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Paul, can you give us those, those clues again? They were founded in 1881. Their badge, their badge features a tree and a lion. 
Their all-time highest goal scorer was Eric Tate with 115 goals. Their managers included Tom Henry, Sandy Clark, John Brownlee and Colin Cameron. After you, John, I think I might know it, but I might be too. Alwa. Right. Gareth. I was going to go up, Bruce. Both of you are wrong. Is it Walker? <laughs> no. Christ oh. almighty, did he just tell you it's Berwick Rangers? I thought you heard it, Gareth. I thought you heard that straight away. Mm, I forgot Tom Henry managed down there. You should have known that Eric Tate was a top goal scorer. Right, of course, yeah. We'll get Eric on next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, thanks for, for joining us tonight. Uh, we normally say at this point all the best for the rest of the season, but all the best with your daughter's horses and uh, <laughs> uh, for the next uh, few, few months. But hopefully, hopefully the, uh, well, soon the restrictions will be over so at least you can get to a game of football rather than having to catch up with yeah, it. If new mains are looking for a centre half that sits in these six yard box, you know where I am. Just give us a wee call. I'll be happy to one heaters <laughs> for you. <laughs> I hear you're carrying a knock on that hopper. Might take a few years to get fit, but I'll get there. <laughs> great, great to have you on tonight, John, and thanks for sharing your stories and uh, opinions. Hi, right. thanks a lot, guys. Enjoyed it. Thanks very much. Don't forget, you can get in touch with comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.